everybody. It's Tanya. Welcome back to Recovering Church Girls. I am so glad that you're here. And this is one of the episodes that uh, is just me and my rambling thoughts. And these rambling thoughts came out of a podcast that I recently did with uh, Shelton. And you're going to get a link to this in the show notes. Um, Shelton is the weird pastor's kid. He is indeed a pastor's kid. And we got to have a really great conversation. Uh, if you know me, you know when I get riled up, perhaps I might go off the rails just a little bit, nothing too crazy, but that indeed did happen. And at one point in time, it was really adorable. He said something about, he's like, well, you're just going to preach now. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Because you know, when you just get that thing inside of you that just fuels the words that are coming out of your mouth and that you feel the, the resonance, you feel the connection in every fiber of your being with what you're saying, that's where I was. So all of that to say, one of the things that we talked about was uh, the idea of Jesus being asked, what is the greatest commandment? And his answer was, love your God. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So we were talking about this and the thought has occurred to me, and I think we've, we've hinted at this before, but I feel like this is one of those scriptures that's just really not thoroughly explained or considered when people tend to take it at face value. Now, by all me, by no means, excuse me, do I consider myself to be a theologian or a, a Bible expert or any of that kind of stuff, although it's amazing how much I've remembered <laughs> over the years and just immediately comes to, to surface. But here's one of the places where this resonates so deeply with me, and we've talked about the importance of self-care and how difficult it is for those of us who grew up in the church with this idea of martyrdom being held at this really high, high value, and especially for women in these scenarios because we tend to be more nurturing to start with, but then let's go ahead and again elevate everyone else in our world above our own needs. So let's take it back to this idea of love your neighbor as yourself. Is it possible that if we don't actually love ourselves, that we don't have much to work with for our neighbors? I think this happens more often than not, and especially within religious circles. There is a high value, a praiseworthiness of being able to take care of other people. And of course, I'm certainly not going to fault that by any means. That's one of the most beautiful things about humans is when we can be kind to each other, we, when we can extend the kind of grace and hospitality and love and caring for each other. But how often do we turn that back and give that same level of kindness and compassion and grace and care for ourselves? And yet we've got the, the demand for it right there in the same scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. So to simply inverse that, in order to love your neighbor, you need to be able to love yourself. And so much of the environment of the culture really downplays the idea of self, more of a self-sacrifice. And so often when you're in this type of environment that separates out the worthy versus the unworthy, and we're told that none of us are worthy, how much do we internalize that? And it's so much harder to overcome in order to practice self-care. 
And there are times when I think that, you know, self-care could be so many different things to so many different people. And I've mentioned that before. I don't think there's any one answer pretty much for most of life. I don't think there's any one way to practice caring for yourself or to practice loving your neighbor for that matter. But some really practical things that we can start with, go to sleep, take a nap, get enough sleep at night, drink more water, eat foods that fuel us, that give us nurturing, you know, all the nutrients and all the things that I know that we're supposed to have. <laughs> the good fats, the proteins, all of those types of things. Those are very simple and easy ways. And yet, how quickly do we forget and you know create a life that requires convenience and fast food and pre-done everything? And that's where we tend to end up in you know some pretty dangerous places in terms of our health as it relates to our diet and nutrition. Now, I am not a nutritionist. This is not some sort of sales pitch to go out and buy vitamins or drink green smoothies or any of the rest of it. It's more an invitation to look at your daily life. What are the ways that you can care for yourself? Just as simple as the food that you eat, the amount of water that you drink, and the amount of sleep that you get. Uh, if you guys have been around me on social media at all, I think I may have even talked about it on the podcast before. We have a cat. We have a dog and a cat. The cat is a new addition to our family uh, within the past year, and I've never had a cat before. So it has been an education, to say the least. I have a habit of writing on my mirror with dry erase marker. This is where I'll do my brainstorming or my to-do list or you know, I'll write a quote or any of those types of things. Well, apparently Carmel, the cat, because the dog's name is Macchiato, and is part of the whole sales pitch from the kids. We already had Macchiato, now we needed a Carmel so that I could have Carmel Macchiato all the time. Sidebar, back to my mirror. Apparently, Carmel doesn't much care for the writing on the mirror, and she has taken to not only jumping against the mirror to play with her reflection, but she's literally been scratching the mirror and like pawing it off to clean my writing off of the mirror. Unfortunately, that particular one happened to be a brainstorming session, and so all of my notes are gone uh, on the back of her paws. I say this because when it relates to sleep, this was a major issue for me because she was doing this at four o'clock in the morning and I had to start getting really creative and ask for help and try and figure out how to maneuver this. I know it sounds really simple. Just put the cat out in the hallway. Well, then she cries or, you know, do this or do that. I've tried everything that we could think of and being able to work together with the kids coming up with a system where we play with her from, you know, eight to nine, wear her out, all that type of thing. And now I know not to do my writing on that mirror, but it's all these little things. I was so sleep deprived during that week that I was not at my best self, even though I was trying, I was trying so hard. I wasn't productive. I wasn't drinking enough water and I just was not getting enough sleep. So when you're in those kinds of moments and those kinds of cycles, sometimes it's just about getting through. And a lot of you know that I also have the single parent summit. And when you're just walking into that area of life of being a single parent, or you hit a really tough spot in co-parenting, man, sometimes it is all about survival. And that's okay. There's no judgment in this. What can you do to not only survive, but then once you can catch your breath, where can you go from there? And those are the kinds of questions that we want to be thinking about. And I think what gets really complicated 
within those of us who grew up in the church with this idea of martyrdom, this idea of self-sacrifice at all costs, there becomes this tension of, am I worthy of investing the time or money or energy in taking care of myself? Because really, isn't it just about what I'm doing for everybody else? It's so easy to elevate everyone else's needs or even your to-do list rather than putting yourself on the top of the to-do list. And that has probably been one of the biggest things that has made the biggest impact for me personally in my own growth and even my productivity. I know the days where I've run into the whole to-do list or the agenda without taking the time to journal or to meditate. I can tell usually within the first two hours that I didn't prioritize my own self-care first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's just non-negotiable. You just have to jump right in. But when you find yourself getting caught up in the hamster wheel, the quickest thing is, what do I need right now? Just to ask yourself, just to quiet your mind for just a moment, what do I need right here, right now? And sometimes we have to rebuild our ability to hear our own voice. It could be that you just need a glass of water. It could be that you need to call your best friend. It could be that you need to go outside and stand in the sunshine for a minute and just breathe. And that's all the reset that you need. It doesn't have to be some big elaborate thing. It doesn't have to be a day at the spa, although, you know, that's always great. It doesn't have to be what everyone else tells you it needs to be. Self-care is whatever you need to care for yourself. And you know better than anyone else. So to be able to build that relationship with yourself again and be able to have that kind of a connection, that's the stuff. That's where the magic really starts to happen. And when we can come back to that place of a connection with ourselves, that's where we can then fuel others. That's where we can then feed others. That's where we can minister to other people, whether it's our family or our community, our neighborhood, you know, all the different layers of who we are and what makes up our daily world. If we're not taking care of ourselves first, I would ask, what are we giving away? What do we have to really work with? And is it anything worth giving away? But it starts with us first. And I think that that's something that is a hard adjustment to make for a lot of us because we were always taught that we were the last ones, that we were not worthy of care or attention or time or energy, but we are. And I would go so far as to say, I think that's exactly the way God designed us, that it was supposed to be this idea of integration in who we are, in our physical being, our mental being, our spiritual being, our emotional being. And somewhere along the way, we've become separated from who we really are and from how we were designed to work. So for what it's worth, something to consider. Are you loving your neighbor? Are you loving yourself? Did I mention, are you loving yourself? Because I think that's really where it's at. That's what starts everything. So with all of that being said, one of the reasons why this is such a strong topic for me is we see it come up 
all the time in recovering church girls. There is this underlying idea that we're not worthy of this kind of attention or love or affection to and from and with ourselves. As a matter of fact, it's something that's come up quite a bit on our survey. If you guys haven't had a chance to uh, to reply to that yet, to be a part of that, I would love to have you. It is 4.5 minutes, uh, sorry, 4.5 questions, less than five minutes. It can be completely anonymous if you want it to be. And it's really just getting uh, some really drilled down clarity around the core tenets that each of us experience growing up in the church. What are the things that we've had to unlearn, whether that's in deconstructing our faith or reconstructing it or wherever we are on our journey. But to be able to identify the trauma so that we can heal it, so that we can then move on and be the best version of ourselves but to be able to really acknowledge those things and to unpack them and to figure out how we can use them as tools now moving forward. And this is something that keeps coming up. So it's definitely something worth talking about and uh, just continuing to nudge each other. Did you drink enough water today? Did you get enough sleep? And have fun. Have fun. I think that's something that I need to work on a bit more because I tend to still work a lot. So yeah, I think I'm going to go have some fun right now. I'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.